But we just got back from uh, our family from Disney World, and we just had a, a wonderful time just being with each other. Um, I've got four kids, and you know, I've got my two oldest ones are under 15, and Seth's going to be 17 in a couple months. And it's just, it just goes by too quick. It goes by way too quick. But it's it's been such a great journey um, raising these boys, and then we've got the smaller ones. Caleb, I know you guys all know who he is. He's a, he's a wild man. Um, Becky was set on calling him Caleb. It's like there's no one in the family named Caleb at all on her side or mine. But he is definitely he is a got that spirit of Caleb too. <laughs> he's just he is out there. But God is going to use him mightily. I know that. But there's a lot of training that goes along with that, too. He can't just do what he wants. But anyway, um, so while I was in uh, Disney, I was thinking about um, a phrase that Jesus had spoken about John the Baptist. And he called him the greatest of men. And so it just kind of got me going down that path of just thinking about John and his life um, during the time of Jesus, beginning of a new covenant and the passing away of an old covenant. Uh, or we could say a fulfillment of what all the prophets have been looking forward to for thousands of years. Fulfillment of the law, which was going to be coming in Jesus Christ. So it was the last words we heard in the Old Testament from Malachi. And for the next about 430 years... Silence. We don't hear anything else during this time. And during that time, the Persian Empire was uh, still running its empire. Israel was back in its land. And then, in probably about a hundred something years after that, uh, Alexander the Great and the Greek Empire came into power, and they conquered that region. And the Jews were able to force them out for a time. Um, and then finally, I think around like 63 B.C., the Romans, and the last of the real powerful Gentile empires had come in, and they were now um, in control of Israel. And they had put in Herod. I guess he had two sons who were running in uh, Galilee and Judea. So it was a, a time where... God had not really spoken. The word of the Lord was rare. And you hear sometimes in the Old Testament where it's just there's times and periods where God's not really saying too much. And so it was during this time that there was a passing away of the old world and this coming of a new one through Jesus. And it says in the Old in the Old Testament in Malachi is the beginning of John the Baptist's ministry. Uh, he was the one that was chosen to prepare the way of the Lord, and he was also the cousin of Jesus. His name, of course, is John the Baptist. Now, John, his baptism wasn't the one that we have. We are we are baptized into Jesus's death, into his name. His was a baptism of repentance. It was different. People were coming to him out into the wilderness confessing their sins um, because there was a sense that was going on. It was like, you know, who is this guy, John? 
but people from everywhere were coming out into the wilderness to him. He wasn't coming to them. So John was also a lot like Elijah, and he came in the power of Elijah as well. Um, Elijah, during his ministry, um, during the time of Ahab, he was calling Israel back, back to the ways of God to repent, to make a choice between their God, the God who makes heaven and earth, and between Baal. And it was a nationwide repentance. And he was asking him, he was like, how long are you guys going to make, you know, just kind of sit there in the middle. If Baal is God, go ahead and serve him. But if God, if the Lord Jehovah is God, then serve him. But make up your mind. And that's one of the things that people don't like about repentance a lot. Is that you can't sit there in the middle anymore. A choice has got to be made. And that is part of what the Holy Spirit does. You know, I remember Derek Prince um, had made this uh, quote about some people get really nervous or not really excited about when the Holy Spirit comes and begins to pour out His Spirit. Because a lot of the people during that time uh, have been kind of sitting on the fence, just trying to kind of do what they want to do, but at the same time, um, do, going to church and kind of doing those type of things that are religious. But he said when the Holy Spirit comes, he electrifies the fence. So one way or the other, um, there's not going to be a fence anymore. So when John the Baptist was coming, he was preaching in the power of God. Nate, if you could go to the first slide in Luke. And I'll be reading out of the uh, New King James. You guys can turn to Luke 1. This is verses 76 through 80. And this is John's father, Zechariah. And he had his own experience with the Lord and the doubt that he had uh, concerning, it's like, how is God able to do this? Um, my wife, she's been barren. We're both old. But now Gabriel gave him the rebuke said, his name's going to be John, and you, because you didn't believe in stuff, are going to be mute until that time. So when they're asking the name of what the child was going to be in verse 76, Zechariah begins to prophesy. And you, talking to his son John, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, with which the dayspring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness, in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the child grew and became strong in spirit, and it was in the desert until the day of his manifestation in Israel. And you never know what role that God has for you, his calling on your life. And 
No one knew all this. I mean, God had been silent for over four centuries. And all of a sudden, he's on the move again. And people are getting excited. You read some of that when uh, Elizabeth is visited by Mary. And when she heard Mary's greeting, the baby inside of her, John, already filled with the Holy Spirit, leapt inside of her womb. The excitement of not... (laughs) Like beyond all hope, they couldn't have a kid. Beyond all hope, Israel was not free. It was under the rule of the Roman Empire. Um, God was making a move during his time. In the fullness of time, he was showing up again. But you never know what part of the story of which you will play. And before, and I, I, as I was meditating, I felt like I, I heard this from the Lord it says, before the garden could be planted, there is much to do. The plowing of the ground, the removal of rock and stone, the digging of holes, the planting of the seed, the covering of the seed, and the watering of the seed. And God is the one that makes it grow. And that was a lot of what John was doing, is removing these things that were going to be a hindrance for these people to believe in their Messiah, because it had been so long. But now he was preparing the way. John was baptizing in the wilderness. And he was preparing the hearts of his people, Israel, to return to him. And John was pointing the way to the Son. Nate, if you go to the next slide, Luke 3. Luke chapter 3, verse 2. Annas and Caiaphas, being both priests, the word of the God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill brought low, and the crooked place shall be made straight, and rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And around there, as John is performing his ministry, I mean, it's incredible power, incredible anointing that's on him because the Holy Spirit was in him from birth. And as people are coming down getting baptized, he says, and he cries out, then he said to the multitude that came out to be baptized of them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And one of the things that God has been showing to me so often over and over again is that God is never fooled. Uh, he's never tricked. He's never hoodwinked. Um, you might be able to put on a show for other people, but God sees through it all. He's never fooled by any scheme of any device of any man. He just isn't. He sees through it all. And John, being filled with the Holy Spirit, saw some of these people who were coming down to Sadducees and some of the Pharisees, And he called them out. He's like, produce true repentance. 
Don't just keep doing what you're doing. Don't keep thinking this is a political show for those around you. It is not. Later on in verse uh, chapter 3, verse 21 through 22, it says, Now all the people were baptized, and it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You, my beloved Son, and in you I am well pleased. What a wonderful thing that John was able to witness right there. After all that time, finally the Lord was... He was opening up something brand new. And if you go to the next slide, sir, John 1. This is John 1, 22 through 23. So the Pharisees had sent people. To John asking him, he's like, well, who are you? We want to know who you are. So they came to John and said, who are you? That we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. And later on in verse 34... John gives a testimony concerning Jesus. This is the very next day in verse 29. John saw Jesus coming towards him. And he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, or he ranks higher than I am. For he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and remaining upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. What an amazing thing that you think that John was given this honor. All the prophets, you know, for thousands of years were eagerly looking into and awaiting. Is this the Christ? Is this the one? Looking, waiting, studying, praying. But it wasn't. But John was given this honor. John was given this honor by the Lord and given this ministry for this very brief amount of time to fulfill what God wanted him to do. John said of himself that he was the lesser of two and not even worthy to untie Jesus' sandals. John eagerly awaited for the fulfillment of the law and the prophets when he saw Jesus. He not only acknowledged the lordship of Jesus, but rejoiced in his own position. 
verses 35-37, this is also um, in chapter 1 of John. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, translated teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus said to them, Come and see. I always like that he doesn't uh, give away secrets. Um, that's always the wonderful thing about faith, is sometimes we just don't know. But he says, Hey, come along, I'll show you. One of the things that really struck me about John's own heart in this, in his ministry, was that this is two of probably his main disciples going and leaving his ministry, and now they're following Jesus. And this caused people to be upset, but John was not upset about that. He realized through the Holy Spirit that his time was coming and that his ministry was to promote the Lord Jesus. And I believe in our own lives, too, that it doesn't matter um, what ministry we do have, how big or how small it is. Um, like John himself said, it's like if it didn't come from heaven, it's like anything you've got comes from heaven. Anything. John's willingness not to fight for what he thought was his, but knowing his part of the story, he let his disciples leave. He didn't try to guilt them or manipulate them. He knew what he had heard from the Lord. He knew what he had heard from the Holy Spirit. He said, yeah, there's the Lamb. Go follow him. And I believe that anyone um, who is a Christian, especially um, a mature Christian, that, that needs to be in your heart that you want for those who you've trained or your children or your grandchildren to go further than you have. Not just to be satisfied with the things they learn from you, but you want them to go further in the things of God than you ever have. And that's, that's something the world can't grasp because there's so much pushing and shoving and grappling to get to the front. And God's kingdom is not built on that. It's built on this humility and wanting to do what's best for the other person and not just looking out for what you think is best for you. Nate, if you would... I think, is this the John one? Yeah, I think it's it. Go to John 3, verses 25 through 27. Excuse me on that. So there again arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you've testified, behold, he's baptizing and all are coming to him. And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it's been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. And then he goes on to give basically his last testimony concerning Jesus. 
You yourselves bear witness to me that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. And to know what your calling is in the Lord, I mean concrete, not just kind of like, well, I guess it's this, or I'm not sure if it's that, but to know the hope of your calling, what it is and what you're supposed to do, that is a joy that is yours. It's there for the taking. To know exactly what his will is for your life. And John was coming to the end of his, his very short ministry. And it re- made his heart rejoice that this was going on. He said, he, Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. Now, don't get those two confused. Don't decrease, okay, so that Jesus can increase. He must increase in your life first in order for you to do that. It's got to start with his work in you, not your work. This is the work of God. He has got to become your Savior. He's got to be the one that calls the shots and shows you what to do in your life. He who comes from above is above all. And he who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. And he who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and what he has heard and what he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. He doesn't, guys. It's a continual thing. He could be filled with the Spirit and filled with him again and again and again. And I do believe that we do go from glory to glory. I don't think we stay in a stagnant place ever. That it is a continual thing that goes on as we walk with the Lord and mature with Him. That we are continually being filled. So not just for our own, what we do, but also so that we might give to others. It's a thing that John understood. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. And finally he says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And there it is, the very straight and a very narrow way, um, because there's only one way, and that is through Jesus. That is the only way. And the world will try to lie and deceive, saying there is a wide, huge, open path to um, do as you like, seek God however you like and how you wish, and however you feel. But um, it is not. It's folly. It really is. And Jesus, He is the only Son of God. He's the only one who's been to heaven and who's come down to earth. He's the only one. And he made some outrageous claims, but I believe them. And as believers, 
I hope that you continue to believe them and not be led astray to easier things, more palatable things. So finally, um, go to a Matthew 11. Matthew 11, verse 7 through 15. So by this time, John the Baptist is in prison and he's getting ready to lose his life. Um, he, a lot like Elijah, confronted a king and uh, he was thrown in prison for it. And he was getting ready to end his ministry and end his life. And he sent some of his disciples to go find out again. Is like, is this one? Is Jesus? Is he the one that we've been looking for? So Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things that you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Um... He's very offensive to the world, Jesus. Now, when they try to recreate them into his, into their own image and make him more uh, comfortable and soothing, um, that's not the Jesus that I serve. Not the one that you serve either. And as they departed, his disciples, John's disciples, John began to say to the multitudes concerning John. This is Jesus's. His take on John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I say to you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets, the law of the prophets, and until John, and if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And what a commendation from our Savior concerning John, that he asked the question three times. And I'd never seen that before. It's like, who did you go out to see? The anointing of the Holy Spirit was on this man, John, who had a singular mission, and that was to bring the people of Israel back onto that true path, bring them to repentance, that they might turn from their ways and prepare their hearts Prepare their minds for the coming of the Messiah. 
And once his job was done, his joy was complete. What an exciting thing that was for him. And he certainly, you know, one of my kids, when I asked about what they thought about John the Baptist, um, I believe he said, I thought it was really sad because he died so soon and so violently. And sometimes that does happen. You know, there are Christians all across the world who are suffering this persecution, violence for believing in the name all around. And I don't think here in the United States that we're going to be spared that. I just don't in my spirit believe that it's going to pass us by, that we do need to be prepared for that. But this life is not our own. It never was. The world would like to tell you that it is your life and you do it as you please. You can go down that path, but it's one for destruction. But the path that God has each one of you on, me and my family, is one to life and to fulfill what he has for me and my family and in this congregation. I know it's going to be rough. It's going to be tough getting some of those stones out of the way. You know, I'm plowing up some of the fallow grounds. I can feel that sometimes in my own heart, a hardness that's there. But I am eagerly waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit to refresh this people and refresh my heart and to bring about a new day. And it doesn't matter if this place is packed or there's few of us in it. Jesus said it's like if there's two more gathered, I am there with you. He is here with us today. Praise God. And I just want to encourage you guys as, you know, it's just so amazing that the Bible, that everything in it is just so current and so up to date. You know, it may seem like ancient, you know, dusty old wisdom to the world. But for those who know Jesus and believe in him and are filled with his spirit, it is a constant reminder that he has our best interests in his heart and that he loves us and that we have something greater than John had as much as Jesus put all those wonderful acclamations on John and about how great John was because he was singular in his mission and there was no one that's amazing from the time of Adam all the way to John there was no one greater that's what Jesus said about him But now you and I have entered into a new covenant. One that was given by Jesus in his own blood. I don't know if John understood that when he looked at him and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I don't know if he understood that at the time. Maybe he did through the Holy Spirit. That he didn't come that time as the conquering king to set up the kingdom of Israel but as a sacrificial lamb to pour out his blood for us that we might become the children, the sons and daughters of God. Not far away, but close. The Holy Spirit within us that cries out, Abba, Father, Daddy. We've got that. We've got something closer and better than John had. It's amazing. We have something closer. James was talking about with uh, you know, the garden. It's like, who would want to walk with God in the garden in the cool of the evening? We have something better. He lives in us. 
He lives inside of us. It's not a myth. It's real. It's true. And our spirit connects with God because it comes from heaven. And it yearns for that. And thank God we have the Holy Spirit as that deposit inside of our heart. And also it seals us for that day when one day we're going to be with Him forever. So, as I continue to encourage my own kids, my own family, and with you guys, mothers and fathers who are here, and brothers and sisters, know what He has called you to do. I don't care how old or how young you are, finish strong. If you haven't started, begin. Begin that walk. Search your hearts. The people were searching their hearts during that time. Don't just let it go. So, that is all I have to say. Um, it's been a wonderful season, and I am looking forward to all the things that are coming up. And I feel like a lot like those two disciples that left John the Baptist to go follow Jesus. And he's like, where are you staying? He's like, hey, come and see. And I feel like we're all going on that adventure together and stuff. How exciting. How exciting it's going to be. But we've got to trust in Him. Father, we just uh, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that it's been preserved all these years. So many people laid their lives down to have... Well, we can look at any time we want. We thank You for their sacrifice and their mission that they completed. That we might have Your Word readily available to search out you, Lord. We ask a blessing on all these people here that your Holy Spirit would stir up in them things that they have perhaps forgotten about or put on the shelf, that they would know the primary directive of what you've called them to do. Each one has a different job, Lord, we know. And help them to know what it is and to do it with excellence and with joy, knowing that it brings you pleasure. And we thank you for each one of these people here. Bless those who are sick, bring healing to them. And we just thank you, Lord, that this is the day that you have made. Let us rejoice and just be glad in it. Glad that you have made it. Amen.